this morning, but um, I'm going to read our scripture passage to uh, for us before Brendan comes up. Um, we are in Exodus chapter 16. Um, we're going to read verses 1 through 8 and then skip down to 33 through 35. Um, if you want to use the Bible that's in the uh, back of the seat in front of you, this will be on pages 58 and 59. Um, and if you don't have a Bible of your own, you are welcome to take that one home with you. We would love for that to be our gift to you today. So read along with me, um, Exodus 16, starting in verse 1. They set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, at evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, when the Lord gives, what the, when the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling that you grumble against him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord." And continuing on in verse 33. And Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar and put an omer of manna in it, and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. The people of Israel ate the manna forty years, till they came to a habitable land. They ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. And omer is the tenth part of an ephah. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jenny Lynn. Well, good morning. As uh, Jenny Lynn said, my name is Brendan, and I'm a seminary student at Covenant Seminary right up the road. And my wife and I have been attending this church now for about a year, and it has been a, a privilege and an honor um, to be with you over that year and get to know some of you and, and worship with you here every Sunday. And if you've been with us over the last couple months, you'll know that we've had an adult Sunday school class on emotionally healthy spirituality, and then last week we had a talk on fear. And so today, uh, we're going to kind of go along those themes, and we're going to talk about anxiety. So anxiety is going to be the main topic of our um, sermon this morning. And I want to let you know a couple things up front. So first, uh, I come to you today not as a doctor, but as a fellow patient. Uh, I am someone who struggles deeply with anxiety and uh, in the midst of anxiety has known God's tender love and care um, and someone who continually struggles with anxiety. Um, secondly, I want to let you know that this sermon is not going to be like a, a three steps out of anxiety. Like it's not going to be like, here, try these three things and anxiety is going to be cured. Um, rather, my hope this morning is that we see, uh, we begin to see uh, anxiety in a little different way that our perspective can shift a little bit on anxiety, and that anxiety, in fact, can be an opportunity to trust in God. 
And anxiety in itself, we'll talk about, provides a unique opportunity um, to see the reality of God and trust in him. Um, so before we, we um, get into the scripture, uh, let me pray for us. Um, God, I thank you um, for today. I thank you for everyone here. Um, God, we pray this morning, um, God, that you would open our eyes and our hearts um, to you this morning. Um, God, that we would see your reality. God, that you would help us um, see you as beautiful and see you as one who can provide for us and care for us. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So to start, I have a question for you. What gives you anxiety? In other words, what do you fear? What are you really afraid of? What gives you an overwhelming sense of distress and distress? What gives you anxiety? Take a couple moments and ponder that question quietly to yourself. Maybe your answer to what gives you anxiety is centered around money. Maybe money, or the lack thereof, or the fear that you're going to lose money gives you a lot of anxiety. Maybe if the bank account's going up or holding steady, you feel okay. But the moment the bank account goes down or you feel like you don't have the money you need, you panic. And I'm right there with you. Anxiety is a huge trigger for me. Or money is a huge trigger for me when it comes to anxiety. In fact, six months ago, when I preached on anxiety, uh, two days before that sermon, I had a full-on panic attack. Full-on panic attack. And uh, I'll get into the details a little bit um, of that panic attack, but, um, but money was very much a big part of that. Maybe uh, what gives you anxiety is relationships. Maybe it's friends or family or tension that exists in those relationships. Maybe it's parenting gives you anxiety. Um, maybe um, it's, it's you're a people pleaser, and you want people to think well of you. And the moment someone doesn't think well of you, or the moment that there's the threat that that might happen, you become really anxious. Maybe your answer to the question, what gives you anxiety, is around health. You fear death and disease, pain and suffering, and rightfully so. Maybe you're experiencing health issues right now and you're seeing the ramifications of those health issues in all different areas of your life, and you're really scared about the future. What does this mean for the future of my family, for me? Maybe your answer to what gives you anxiety is around work or school. Maybe you have just an overwhelming amount of work right now, and it's crushing. Or maybe your boss gives you anxiety. All that to say, all that to say is that we all have anxiety to different levels, Yes, in different seasons of life, yes, but we all have anxiety. We all experience anxiety. And the people in our passage, the main characters, the Exodus people or the Israelites, they too are experiencing anxiety. And the context of our story is that they were in, in captivity and slavery for 400 years. And that God miraculously busts them out of slavery, and they experience freedom. They run into the desert only to find there's no food, and they're really, really scared. They're scared that they're going to starve to death. And so rightfully so, they have a lot of anxiety. But in the midst of their anxiety, they're quick to forget God, and they're quick not to trust in God. But we can't blame them, because often we do the same thing. In the midst of our anxiety, we're quick to forget God, 
and we're quick not to trust in God. So the big question, like the big question, like the big question that we're going to look at in this passage is this. How can we trust God in our anxiety? And maybe you're here and you're a Christian. You're like, yeah, I feel the tension of that question. Like in the midst of my anxiety, I know God is real, but it's really hard for me to trust that he's with me, that he's there for me, that he loves me, that he's in control. It's really hard for me to trust God in in those moments. And I'm right there with you. Maybe you're here and you're thinking to yourself, I wouldn't consider myself a Christian. I don't know if God is really real yet. Is this really going to apply to me? And I would say, I think the scripture can speak to all of us this morning across that spectrum. So um, we're going to get into it here. And so the big question again, how can we trust God in our anxiety? And the first answer comes in the first three verses. And I'm going to reread the first three verses for us. It says this. It says, They set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, With that we have died by the hand of the Lord in in the land of Egypt, when we sat by meat pots and ate bread to the full? For you have brought us into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. So in the first verse, we see kind of these obscure names and places, and it doesn't really seem that helpful because we really don't know what they are. Um, But Douglas Stewart, who's a commentator, um, says that this is actually really helpful information, specifically the, uh, the clause here that says, on the 15th day of the second month. So based on this information, we know that the Israelites have been in the desert for about 30 days. And Douglas Stewart says at this point, their resources and their hopes are dwindling. They could only carry about a month's worth of food. And now the 30 days is up, and they're out of food, and they're in the middle of the desert, and they panic, and rightfully so. Verses 2 and 3 go on, and we see that anxiety has blinded the Israelites. Anxiety has blinded them to the reality of God. They're so locked in the moment. This is what anxiety does to us often. It's so locked into the moment. I need X. In this case, I need food, right? And they have forgotten what God has done in the past. As we said, they were in slavery for 400 years, and God miraculously busts them out of slavery. And then they find themselves in the desert, and the Egyptian army is chasing after them. Their backs are to the wall. Their backs are to the Red Sea. And what does God do? He parts the Red Sea, and they walk across in dry land. Time and time and time and time again, God showed that he was with them, that he was for them, and that he delivered in impossible situations. Now, here they are in the midst of another impossible situation, and they forget God. In fact, they say, we want to go back to Egypt. We want to go back to slavery. And it says, because at least we sat by meat pots, and we had bread to the full. And anxiety locks us in the moment. It says, the grass is greener on the other side. Oh, the good old days were so much better than now. Or in the future, if I have X, future will be so much better. And so they're just, they, they, they're locked in the moment. They forgot what God had done in the past. But we do the same, and we can't be too hard on them. So how can we trust God in the midst of our anxiety? We look to the past and God's care for us. We look to the past and God's care for us, and it reminds us. It reminds us of God's track record of faithfulness, and it helps us a little more to trust him in the present. 
So I shared that uh, six months ago, excuse me, six months ago, I had uh, a panic attack. And my panic attack was, was, was centered around money, um, but what that looked like was it was really centered around health insurance. For years, my worst fear, one of my worst fears, was that I wouldn't have health insurance. And there's a whole backstory to that that I won't get into. But now, my family's found themselves uh, in a place in life in grad school where we don't have full-time jobs, and our health insurance situation is a bit complex. And my wife was about to give um, birth to her second child six months ago. So here I am. Uh, we don't know if we're going to have health insurance. We're about to have this baby, and I just, I just lose it. It was just too much for me to handle. Um, and I'm thinking, something's going to happen to my wife. Something's going to happen to the baby. We're not going to have the coverage we need. Or there's going to be all these medical bills. We're not going to be able to afford them. Our savings account's going to be wiped out. I mean, all these worst-case scenarios started pummeling me. And after my panic attack, my wife said, Brendan, she said, do you remember? She said, do you remember your last three panic attacks around health insurance? They were all centered around these same fears. And time and time and time again, we saw God give us what we need. Maybe not in the way that we thought it was going to happen, but he was there. And the track record of faithfulness helped me a little bit more to trust God in that moment. Like the Israelites in our worry, we need to remember God's care for us in the past. Now, that can be really, really hard to do. Like we said, when you're locked in the moment with anxiety, it can be really hard to do. So how can we do that? How can we do that? One helpful little tip that has worked for me that came from a counselor was uh, writing what I call a catastrophic list. So writing down all the times that I had worst-case fears and then writing the result of what happened to those. And usually the result is the worst-case scenario never happened, right? <laughs> or sometimes they did. And if they did, God gave us the grace that we needed in those moments. When we actually got to the day that the worst-case scenario happened, we see that God provided. And this is to say that bad things are not going to happen. Like, sometimes, worst-case scenarios do happen. This is not kind of like health, wealth, and prosperity, follow God, and your life is good. No. We still experience death. We still experience disease. We still experience job loss. We still experience all these things that cause us a lot of stress. But... The idea is that God gives us what we need, uh, that he's there for us. He gives us himself, and he's with us. The other thing uh, that can be helpful to remember how God has cared for us in the past is other people. My wife, Ashley, my last panic attack, or friends, family, people in the church to remind us. People to, to kind of snap us out of, of the worst-case scenarios that we're living in, snap us kind of out of a reality that's void of God and remind us, help us remember God's reality and God's care for us. So other people around us is huge. Not living on an island, not being isolated, but having community, being able to, to be real and honest with people and for them to ground us in truth and God's love. Okay, so remembering God's care for us. Like, maybe that's a, like, a, a, you know, how he cared for us in the past can be a little bit of a handhold in the midst of anxiety, but come on, there's got to be more than that. That sounds too simple. Anxiety is way too complex. Way more complex than that. And fortunately, our passage goes on. So I'm going to read now uh, verses 4 through 8. So starting at verse 4. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain down bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, At evening you shall see that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land in Egypt. In the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling, that you grumble against him. What are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. So here in this passage, here in this part of the passage, we see the people are crying out. They're like, we need food. And God says, I hear your cries, and I'm going to deliver. And he gives them bread, which is known as manna um, in the passage. He gives them bread daily. And the passage says, in, in the verses that we just read, that he just gives them enough for each day. So they get bread, but it's just enough for that day. And then tomorrow, he'll give them more bread. And it'll just be enough for that day. And then the day after that, the same thing. He gives them what they need when they need it in that day. God literally says, I'm going to provide for you day by day by day, one day at a time. Walk with me. Trust me. Know that I hear you. Know that I see you. And I am with you day by day by day. Uh, Ed Welch, who is a... um, psychologist and um, has a theological degree, has written a couple books on anxiety. Hugely helpful. I found found them very helpful. One is called Running Scared, and there's a workbook that goes with it called When I Am Afraid. And Ed Welch uh, talks about this passage a little bit in, in the book Running Scared, and he says this. He says, Fears and worries live in the future, trying to assure a good outcome in a potentially bad situation. The last thing they want to do is trust anyone, God included. To thwart this tendency toward independence, God only gives us what we need when we need it. The emerging idea is that he wants us to trust him in the future rather than our self-protected plans. What Ed Welch goes on to say is that anxiety acts as a false predictor of the future quite often. It says that something you love or you is threatened. You need to run, you need to act, you need to do something. And so anxiety acts as the predictor of our future. And what Ed Welch says is God in his graciousness can short-circuit that. And we see this in his passage. God's saying, don't, don't let anxiety be the predictor of your future. Be with me. Know that I am with you. Today and tomorrow. And day by day by day, we're going to face it together. So how can we trust God in the mix of our anxiety? We look to the present and the future with God able to care for us. So as a kid, uh, I grew up near the beach, and uh, my mom would have to apply sunscreen to me like every 30 minutes, and I hated it. Like, I burn when it's like 60 degrees outside, you know? So, So every 30 minutes, she used to have a lather on all this sunscreen. I can remember as a kid being like, oh, and sand all over, you know? But So I hated it. Uh, and I would often, like, 
not want to go to the beach or like try to stay out of the sun and shade, and so I just didn't have to get sunscreen on. But all that to say is I still like the sun in the sky. It's, it's, it's okay. It gives us heat. It gives us warmth. It gives us what we need, right? And I don't think uh, there's really a day that goes by where I'm like, I wonder if the sun's going to provide. I wonder if the sun's going to provide the light and the heat that I need today, that we need today, that our world needs today. I don't think that thought crossed my mind. I just assume that it's going to rise and provide the light and the heat that we need. And God is saying, just like that, day after day after day, trust that I'm going to provide what you need. Day after day after day, my grace is going to be renewed to you. And that's really hard to do sometimes. It's really hard to do. But what would it look like to trust God will provide what we need today and tomorrow, that God can trust what we need in the present and the future? Well, one, uh, we see in verse 8, it says that God heard the Israelites. So God hears us. So in the midst of our anxiety, we can turn to him. Like, we can actually be honest with him, be emotionally real with him, be like, I'm scared. I am so scared right now. Are you there? Do you hear me? And in verse 8, we see, in fact, he does hear you. That he hears you, that he's with you, that he knows your pain, that he knows your situation in detail, that he knows the numbers of hairs on your head, as scripture says. Do we dare to believe that? Do we dare to believe that God is real, and that he hears us, and that he knows us, that he knows our situation? It's risky. It's risky to put your eggs in that basket. Do we dare to believe it? And I think the Israelites... Uh, And many of us in this room would say, yes. Yes. Do we dare to believe that? It's hard to do. Because often the fear can seem so big and our faith so small. And that's where, again, other people can come in. That's where the church can come in to remind us. Sunday worship, uh, small groups, all these things. People around us to remind us that God can provide for us now and in the future. It's where counselors can come in. I'm a... Advocate for counseling. Counseling can have a stigma around it, unfortunately. But there are God-gifted people who are counselors, who are licensed counselors, who can walk us through our anxiety and can be hugely helpful for some. Um, Sometimes medication can be helpful. Again, there's a stigma sometimes around medication. But I think God has given us the gift of modern medicine, and medication can be helpful for anxiety. And so friends, the church, all these things can help us remember Remember, and to remember that God is with us today and tomorrow, and to see today and tomorrow with God providing and caring for us. So what would it look like to trust God will provide for us today and tomorrow? It's not letting anxiety be the predictor of our future. It's not letting anxiety be the predictor of our future. It's letting God be the one who's with us and trusting that he's in control of today and tomorrow. And again, this doesn't mean that bad things won't happen. Bad things are going to happen in life. But, but the, the section of scripture that we just read, we see that, that the people are worried about not having food tomorrow because they don't have it yet. But God says, when you get to that point, I will deliver. And often in our worst case scenarios and our fears, we're fearing the worst case scenario because we don't have the grace to face it yet. And if we come to that worst case scenario... God can give us the grace to walk through it. It doesn't mean that we, don't, we aren't angry and we don't grieve and we're not sad and we're not overwhelmed. All those things are probably going to happen if you're facing your worst fears. But 
the same time, I should say, and at the same time, God is with us, that he can walk with us, that he's with us in the midst of it. And somewhere in the background or some, somewhere deep down inside, we can know that there's some hope. Maybe we don't feel it in those moments when we're facing our worst case fears, but there's hope. There's hope that God is with us and that, that when we get to that moment, God will give us the grace we need. Last little thing of, of what would it look like to trust God will provide uh, what we need today and tomorrow uh, comes from a story in the New Testament. And it's a man who has a sick child. And he goes up to Jesus and he's asking Jesus to help him. And he says to Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. And this is a beautiful prayer in the midst of anxiety. I believe you, Jesus, but help my unbelief. Because in the midst of anxiety, yeah, we're, we're believing in God maybe, and yet at the same time, we're unbelieving. We don't know if he's really there with us. We don't know if he really loves us. We don't know if he's in control of the situation. I, I think I wouldn't have probably half the fears that I have if in my heart of hearts I really knew that God loved me. My heart of hearts, if I knew that God loved me, I don't know if I would have the fears that I have. But Jesus loves this prayer. I believe, help my unbelief. And we see that in the scripture here in the New Testament. Because we can't have the faith we ought to without God. And so God's like, yes, come to me. Come to me with your unbelief. Pray for faith. Because we cannot believe without God's help. And so praying that prayer, I believe, help my unbelief, Lord. Beautiful. We're actually interact, interacting with God in those moments. And he can help us even have faith. Okay, so we look to the past, we look to the present, we look to the future, we can see God provide for us, but certainly there has to be more, right? There has to be more. Um, anxiety, again, is way too complex. And often in anxiety, what, what we're probably yearning for at a very basic level is something like safety and rest. We just want security, and we just want to be able to rest, and our passage goes on to speak to this. So we'll fast forward to verses uh, 33 through 35. Spoiler, this is how the story ends. It says, And Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar and put an omer of manna. Manna, again, is the bread that came down from heaven. In it. And place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. The people of Israel ate the manna 40 years till they came into a habitable land. They ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. So God was consistently faithful day after day after day for 40 years. In our anxiety, we're afraid that we're not safe. Our hearts are frantic. We're running scared. We don't know what to do or where to go. We're trying to hedge against worst-case scenarios. And our hearts ache for something like rest. Anxiety can feel like you're waking up every day and running a marathon every day. And you don't want to, you don't want to, but you got to get up again and you got to run the marathon again. And we just want some rest. Stress and anxiety is exhausting. And often we kind of, we try to find easy outs to our anxiety. So we do things with food, we do things with money, we do things with sex or drugs, alcohol. And maybe those things help momentarily. Maybe they numb us for a little bit. But shortly after that, we're spiraling down lower and lower and lower. And they don't give us the faithful rest 
that we really need. And so where can this faithful rest be found? It's in the Lord, as our passage says. It's in the Lord. Ultimately, it's in Christ. Christ as embodied hope. Christ as our embodied rest. Christ as, our, as God's embodied faithfulness. In fact, Jesus picks up this story centuries later. In John chapter 6, a crowd of people are wondering, Jesus, are you really God? Are you really the Messiah? And they're pressing him on this question. You don't have to turn there, but I'll read it for us. This is John chapter 6, starting in verse 30. The people say, Then what sign do you do, Jesus, that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna, the bread in the wilderness, that is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. Christ says, I am your daily bread. I am your daily provision. I am with you. I can be with you day by day by day. And we look to the past, and we see the cross. And we see God's faithfulness. We see Christ's faithfulness, that he loves us so much, that he cares for us so much, that he would die for us. That he would die for us so that God can be with us in the midst of our anxiety. And even right before the cross... Shortly before the cross, Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the scripture says he's overcome. It says, I think he says his soul is troubled and he's anguished. He's in deep distress. And he actually begins, it says, to, to sweat drops of blood. And really what's happening, it's actually a medical condition where your capillaries under your skin burst because you're so stressed, you're so overcome with anxiety, that capillaries under your skin burst. And when you sweat, it looks like you're sweating blood. So Jesus is so overcome with anxiety in that moment. So Jesus knows anxiety better than anyone else. And he knows your anxiety better than anyone else. He can empathize with us. He can empathize with me better than anyone else. And he loves us. He knows us and he loves us. And so we look to the past and we see his love and his faithfulness. We look to the present and we see God's spirit with us. Christ giving us his spirit in us. God giving us the church, his body, in the midst of anxiety. We see him providing in these ways. And then we look to the future, and we see Christ as our hope. And one day, he says, I will make a new heavens and a new earth, and there will be no more pain, there will be no more suffering. Your bodies will be new, no more death, no more disease, no more brokenness that exists, that exists in our world, and there will be no reason to fear. And so we look to the future and see Christ as our embodied hope. So we look to the past, we look to the present, we look to the future, and we see Christ. We see Christ in his resurrection, that even in death, that even in death, he can provide. I know many of us have experienced loss of loved ones, or maybe some of us are experiencing disease that may lead to death. In worst case scenarios, like death will happen, like we said. And yet, even in death, God can provide. Even in death, we see that Christ in his resurrection can provide life and life eternal and a future hope. 
So how can we trust God in the midst of our anxiety? We look to Christ. We look to the past. We look to the present. We look to the future. And we come to him, and we begin to see anxiety as an opportunity to be with God, to cry out to him, and to see him. Let me pray. Um, God, we thank you that, <clears throat> that you've given us Christ, that you've given us your son, Jesus. We thank you that uh, you know uh, Jesus' anxiety firsthand, uh, that you're all-knowing and you're all-powerful and you love us. And it's that mix of, um, of being able to know us and knowing us personally and having the power to help. Um, that's just amazing. And we thank you for you, Jesus, that you give us yourself. God, thank you for giving us Christ in our daily bread. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we continue in our worship this morning, we have the opportunity to confess our faith together. These are words that are provided for us so that we might be able to articulate what we believe for generations upon generations. And so you can find that on page 7. And I ask you to look to page 7 of your bulletin or share if you don't have one. Um, the, the screen is incorrect. But let's confess our faith together using the Heidelberg Catechism. Why must the mediator be a true and righteous human? God's justice demands that human nature, which has sinned, must pay for sin. The sinful human can never pay for others. Why must the mediator also be true God? The mediator has the power of his divinity. Then who is this mediator, true God, and at the same time a true and righteous human? Amen. That is the good news of what we believe. This Christ who came, God, fully God and fully man, to pay for the sin of the human race, of his creation. And as we reflect on the words that have been preached to us this morning, I think about anxiety and I look to the one, this Christ, this Jesus, who had absolute trust in his father. You know, why we struggle so much with anxiety is because, as Brendan said, we want, we want security. We want safety. That is what we long for. In other words, I would say what we trust in is shalom, peace. And we're craving that every single day of our lives, that thing that will bring us that. And we wrestle with that. We struggle. But here at this table, what we are reminded of is this Christ, this, this Jesus, who is willing to put all of his trust in his Father because he knew that his Father was good. And all of his ways are perfect. And because of that, he wrestled with his knees on the ground, praying to his Heavenly Father, saying, if it is your will, let it be done. And he was willing to go to the cross and experience the ultimate ultimate agony, death, and separation from his father. That's why that this table is hope, is what we need this morning. That no matter what spectrum you are on, on anxiety, that this can remind us of the hope that we have, but also it would be our strength this morning. This is our manna. 
It's exactly what we need. Isn't that what we prayed? Our Father in heaven, give us today our daily bread. Not more than we need so that we become prideful, but not less than we need, but just for today. And that's what the Lord provides for us so that we might be able to know that our God is good, our Father is trustworthy, and He will always, always provide for us, even in the hardest of circumstances. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, as we come to the table this morning, we ask, Lord, that you would strengthen us this morning. Give us enough so that we might know that you are good. Give us enough so that we might be able to renew our trust in you. Give us enough so that we might know that, Lord, our future is secure in our Father's arms. Lord, I pray that that would be true of us as we come to the table, as we eat and drink, as we fill us with your grace and your strength for us this morning. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.